the list price was 540 or 33750 a door and when it was all said and done we ended up making about 120 grand on the deal best ever listeners before we get into today's episode of the interview with our best ever guest i want to mention fund that flip because fund that flip is an online lender that gives you fast convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project so if you're doing residential flips then the main thing i imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money Uh, so if you've got the deal pipeline but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. Familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt, and uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and we have got an international guest with us today. We've got John Carney, who is a very active real estate investor and developer in the United States and Australia. So hello, John. How's it going? It's going well, Joe. Uh, I'm doing great. And thank you for um, the opportunity to talk to uh, you and the best ever listeners. Yeah, my pleasure. Really grateful to have you on the show. And I'm surprised that you don't have an Australian accent until we read more about your background and notice that you are originally from the United States, but then moved to Melbourne, Australia in 2009. He also, now I'll start talking about you like you're not here. So he also founded America Property Source to enable Australians to invest in United States real estate. In 2013, he developed properties in Geelong and the surrounding Surf Coast. For those of you from Australia, you know exactly where those locations are. For those of you not, then you might not. And he can tell us a little bit more about that. And John's the author of the book that you've got to go check out. It's called Real Estate is a Team Sport, The Nine Players You Need to Profit. So we're going to be talking all about teams, development, and international investing. Uh, With that being said, John, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure, Joe. Well, I was uh, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, went to Miami University and grew up in a a family that was in real estate and development. So it was very much a part of uh, dinner table conversation, I guess you could say. 
And a lot of my first uh, early jobs were working in maintenance, uh, you know, for my grandfather's commercial projects. And, you know, the story goes that in college I started carrying bricks on commercial uh, development sites in the local laborers union. And then after school um, was able to um, see the other side of the business um, from the boardroom working on a project with uh, my father and his partners. And then uh, I moved out to Colorado. I was out there for 12 years. Along the way, uh, I met an Australian gal, and uh, in 2009, when the sky was falling in the United States, uh, she had to move back to Australia uh, for for family matters, and I followed her, and ended up in Melbourne in July 2009, and we were there for three and a half years, and then we moved a little bit closer to where she grew up uh, to start a family. And we're in a town called Torquay, which is uh, on the surf coast of Victoria, and it's just outside of uh, the city of Geelong. So I, you know, always had my sights focused, I suppose, on on getting into Australia and investing in Australia and, and developing uh, my own projects over here. And, you know, it took a little bit of time from when I landed to when I got started. But, uh, you know, we can talk about that. That's a that's a brief snapshot. What's it like to move to? Had you ever visited Australia? I imagine you did a couple times if if you had a wife who was from there. Is that correct? You visited prior to moving there. Yeah, I had okay. made a few trips over here. You know, when to see her when we were still having a long distance relationship. But I'd come over in two thousand two, sort of as a backpacker, or I think it was our two thousand yeah two thousand two. Uh, I'd come over to Australia to visit some friends that were living here. And, um, you know, I thought that was great. Ticked it off the list, you know, saw the Sydney, right. took a picture of the Sydney Opera House, uh, went to the went, went to Bell's Beach and, and said, that's it. So but but you you hadn't spent a significant amount of time there, right? No, not at all. OK, so my question is, what's it like to move? I mean, it, myself, you know, I moved from New York City to Cincinnati and I considered that a major transition, you know, starting over with, you know, kind of personal relationships and also business relationships and then starting, I, I guess I didn't start my own business here. I I can have my business wherever. But you started your own, like a, a company in Australia that is focused on helping Australians invest in the United States, real estate. What is it like to start your own company in a new country? And what are the challenges? <laughs> it's challenging, but I, I suppose... You know, you talk a lot about it in your show. A lot of your guests talk about real estate investing as a business and it's entrepreneurial. And, it, and I suppose if you have that spark and that drive, it was just there's this opportunity. There was this opportunity at the time. Real estate prices in Australia, just so you know, for single family home investment is, uh, you know, I'm going to try and do a good comparison. But let's just take kind of a Western Phoenix house because I'm familiar with that market that might be, you know, a 2000 build, you know, a newer house with two bedrooms or three bedrooms, two bath, two car garage that would be available, uh, you know, in 2009, 2010, at maybe $80,000, you know, or less. The equivalent house in Australia, $400,000, right? So where do you think investors were looking to, to put their money? And then um, we saw an escalation in the Australian dollar between 2009 and 2014 to the highest record it had ever seen. So there was an opportunity for Australian investors. And I had, you know, the knowledge and the resources stateside 
to allow people to do this safely. And that, that was what I ended up doing. There was an opportunity. Uh, I met some good people straight away just through, you know, building a network, like you said, from scratch. Uh, we had similar interests. We sort of talked about opportunities. They were entrepreneurs themselves. They had their own businesses. And I was able to kind of come into a partnership and start America Property Source, plug into my network initially in Phoenix, you know, build the team of people that anyone investing from overseas would need to be successful. And then uh, we started doing deals. How I want to dig in a little bit there because, you know, you essentially are needing to find, if, if I'm you at this time, I'm needing to find Australians who want to invest in U.S. real estate. And it sounds like the economics makes sense. But as far as the, you know, the trust factor, you know, you're a new, you know, new person, <laughs> a stranger initially, I mean, you just moved there. How do you establish those relationships? What type of organizations did you join, if any? How did you approach making new friends and then ultimately finding people to be clients of yours whenever you're new to the country? A lot of hustle, Joe. It really was a lot of hustle. And, um, that's what the baseline was. I started, you know, we went, we, I was at a trade show. We were able to build a bit of a list and get a little bit of a following. So when we finally had a website up and, and running, but uh, before I made the decision to let's just rewind it a little bit. When I first landed in Australia, I knew one, I, I had two things. I knew I was going to work in real estate and I wanted to work with investors. That was a goal. The second, the second goal a little bit longer term goal, because I didn't know how long I was going to be here, was to figure out how could I have my own development sites, you know, and, and start start organically. So it really started with scratch. That was the challenge. But I accepted it and I had a lot of time on my hands. I couldn't even work legally for the first six months I was here. So um, I ended up interviewing, cold calling. I had a few introductions, but I ended up interviewing with all of the international commercial real estate firms. No one wanted to hire an American guy, by the way, who had just landed, had no idea, you know, the dynamics of a city of 5 million people like Melbourne to be an industrial real estate broker. They were very polite and a lot of people helped me out along the way. But one of those meetings led to uh, an introduction to a gentleman who introduced me to our first America property source client who right away, you know, once, once. He was he, he identified the opportunity in America. And once he got comfortable with me, he flew over to the U.S. and met our team. And we, we put this whole trip together from Australia. I did this. And, um, you know, my friend John in Phoenix picked him up at the airport, showed him four houses. He bought four houses. We charge a fee on our end. Right. We, we charge an, um, what's called an advocacy fee. And it's really a, a transaction management fee as well. So that's how America Property Source makes its money. And, um, you know, we went from, you know, zero to 20 grand basically in a couple of weeks. And then it just, it, what, how, how many transactions would you say you did from, and are you still doing it? Are you, is that still a focus of yours? And if so, how many transactions would you say you've done from then to now? Just over a hundred. I don't have the, yeah, that number in roughly front of me. 100. Roughly a hundred. Yeah. And I've got, uh, you know, yeah, I have one person we're, we're actively looking for in Arizona. This client has three three properties he's bought 
three, sold two. Um, we have a, a lender in Colorado, a real bank that's uh, lending to our clients uh, in, in Arizona. I mean, and so he's at, we're actively looking for something that fits his criteria. I've got uh, another active Australian investor who's, who's in the States at the moment, who's waiting for his finance to be approved. He's refinancing a couple of properties he bought in 2010. And I have two new, you know, two new clients coming on board, but I'm not out, you know, there's a very specific reason why people come to me to, to buy offshore now because the Australian dollars have uh, fallen a little bit. Uh, prices have definitely gone up uh, across the board and, um, especially in Phoenix and Cleveland, where we're are the two markets where I have my teams, you know, but we have clients that have compelling reasons to want to have a long-term plan to invest in the United States. And so I'm here to help those people out. It's not an opportunity for everybody. What are those reasons typically that you found? If the, the numbers aren't as favorable now, why are they still buying? It's still more favorable than Australia. It's a diversification in property. You know, our clients own an LLC, which is, uh, you know, a, a, they're the owners of a U.S. LLC. So that entity, you know, and they cash flow positive, right? There's very little, if any, cash flow positive in Australia that you can just pick up off the shelf and, you know, start start covering costs right away. So, I mean, that is one of the main advantages. Um, some, P, some investors use retirement funds. Uh, some investors travel to the U.S. for business or they're, they're traveling internationally for business often and uh, would like to have U.S. currency. I suppose other clients tell me, you know, I don't get into it with everybody. This is sort of what, you know, I, I hear from our clients feedback is, you know, there, there's advantages. There, there's tax advantages, obviously. There's travel advantages and there's currency advantages. So it's not geared or suited for every real estate investor in Australia but it is for enough people that they have got into the game, you know, when the buying was good and now they're just continuing to build like you would with any business. I want to jump back to when you were starting out and you said you went to a trade show, you, you got a list of emails and a website up and you were able to build from there. But the real launch point was whenever you met the, the gentleman and he was introduced to you from interviewing from all the, at all these different commercial real estate firms. Were the subsequent clients referrals from that gentleman or were the, did you get any leads that ended up being transactions through that trade show list? I don't know that we've done any transactions from that trade show list, but it, it led to it, it, it kind of blew up because we, you had a list of people now, right? And so you're putting together emails and you're sending out deals and, and you're gaining momentum is how I like to think about it as a business, right? So now we believe, you know, now I'm believing like we've got people that are interested. We're making phone calls and you kind of get in that mindset that I wake up at the mo in the morning and I go to work and I'm at work from, you know, eight o'clock to four o'clock or whatever, you know, longer. And, and I, I had an office and I had a couple partners involved in the business. Everybody brought a different skill set, right? I had to call my senior partner because he's kind of the old guy. He, he took care of, of the books and the accounting and all this business registration and stuff that was new to me here in Australia. My other partner, uh, my friend Kevin, he was, uh, you know, he, he's good at marketing and he's good at, you know, setting up 
email accounts and Google AdWords and, you know, helping with marketing copy. So, you know, we got our website up and going. So there are, and, and through his network, through Kevin's network, uh, he introduced us to a couple of clients who um, ended up buying multiple properties. So it really, and then the referrals came in from there. We did roundtable presentations with groups of people. You're interested, do you have five friends that are interested? Bring them to our office, you know, the opportunity. And, and so like little mini organic roundtable discussions uh, were, were hosted. And, and then, you know, we were invited to networking events, started doing presentations, but it was a very organic, very oriented start. Let's talk about the roundtable presentations. How is that structured? And I mean, is everyone sitting around the table in a conference room or is it more casual than that? Is there a PowerPoint presentation or is it just a conversation? And are you the one presenting or do you have multiple team members presenting? Just can you can you put us in that room and tell us how, how that uh, kind of transpired? Sure. We had a conference room at our office. So we'd have about, you know, eight or 10 people was the best one I did. Big whiteboard. We would go through, you know, the opportunity. We'd talk about the differences between Australia and the United States and the advantages. And then the I built, right? So I a very structured system that takes people from a phone call or an inquiry all the way until really their property manager is depositing that first rent check in the bank. You know, so we go through that system. And then they ask questions. And I've always found, A, it's better to talk to a group of people because they're all going to have different different questions. And in those questions, you, you can just you can just see by the conversation, hear by the conversation, oh, I didn't think about that, or I was thinking that and I didn't ask it that way. So everybody's learning. And and every time I've hosted something like that, we we've had business from it. All right, John, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever for the best ever listeners is that whatever form of real estate investing you're thinking about doing or you're doing, it's a business and, and businesses really exist to profit and grow. So you got to figure out how to do that. And uh, I guess I have a hack for that. And that's finding people who are successfully doing what you want to be doing and ask them for help. When you got into development in the, let's see... You said you were developing in two areas of Australia, Geelong and Surf Coast. How were you able to develop uh, properties there or get into it? And what team members did you need to surround yourself with to make that happen? It's a great question, Jeff. So we go back to the story I was talking about earlier with America Property Source and the people I was meeting. I, I was introduced to a gentleman who runs a financial services company, but he's also a commercial developer and builds pretty big stuff. Uh, and we built a relationship over a number of years and I would refer any leads that I had from America property source that were looking to refinance existing Australia property to potentially free up capital for the U S I would refer them to Brad. And when I knew I was moving from Melbourne to Geelong, Geelong <laughs> to Geelong, I also I messed you up on that because I was butchering the pronunciation earlier. <laughs> beep, beep, bleep. Anyways, that was where I'd identified the opportunity that was best going to suit me. And I asked Brad one day, will you help me do this? Will you help me with the financing? 
And he said, yes. So um, from let's just say when I landed in Australia to when I signed my first, you know, accepted agreement to go under contract here, that took four years. You know, it didn't just happen overnight, but it was, I never lost sight of that goal. And um, so I, I knew that I would be able to get money for this, right? And then uh, I was doing a few fix and flips down here locally. One of the carpenters I was using, his father's a builder, and we were just chatting. He was looking to, to um, for projects as well. And we put together a partnership where, you know, we were leveraging, I was really leveraging his knowledge and experience on the building side. And I knew that we had the finance covered, that I would be able to just follow a process, a development process, right, that's laid out for you by the by the local city government and and do the math, find the find the sites that were going to make sense, uh, have a discussion with the builder, come up with, you know, a pro forma and make an offer. And I mean, I don't that that took time and effort as well. That took, you know, almost another year. Yes, that takes a lot of time and effort. I I know firsthand after spending a year on looking at a development project that we still haven't acted on because the numbers didn't pencil out after a year of of me going back and forth and kind of in circles because I wasn't educated enough to find someone who's who could help me qualify or disqualify it at the purchase price that we were looking at. How did you learn how to do the math and find the sites. Cause it's one thing, you know, you, you mentioned just follow the city's process, but the city's not there telling you, okay, now this is what you have to do next. And this is what you have to do next. And don't forget about this or else you're going to lose money. How did you know all of those in between steps that weren't stated by, you know, the, the city's website? Well, we started with a surveyor. And, and the surveyor, the surveying companies in over in Australia offer a list of services for you. And I took them up on some and said, no, I'll do the rest of these myself to learn. Right. So the goal was to success. Like, like we're putting the roofs on these properties this week. Uh, the roofs are on now this week um, and we'll start drywall next week. And are they single families? Is that what they are? Yeah, they're single okay. families individually titled. So we took one lot, split it in half. They call it the battle axe pattern. Um, it's it's a baby boomer downsizer, very unsexy project. My goal was to get this done, follow the budget, follow the process, and not lose money. Right? Of course, we're the goal is to make money for the partnership since I put this together and I'm driving it. But that was really. You know, this was a, a small, for Australia, relatively, you know, small entry-level deal. And, and the lessons, yeah, I could write a whole nother book about it. But to answer your question, yes. Like, so there were people telling me what the next step was, and I was just implementing that. When I had a question, I asked for help. Now, the book came about, my book came about through this process. I started with an accountant and a lawyer, right? Two necessary people that I needed to get the partnership up and running and the structures right for myself, right? And then you need to talk to these other folks to, to gain insight and knowledge. So there was, there's other skill sets involved and, and I just put a team together and I became the quarterback. Did you have another quarterback who had you know, perhaps was in the Hall of Fame already helping you that you could also ask questions? Brad, who was helping with the finance, has always been on hand if I get stuck to answer a question. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, but I, 
our my partner who's the builder is hadn't really done this before but he'd been building for 25 years so i mean he knew more about the process than i did you ready for the best ever lightning round absolutely all right first a quick word from our best ever partners if you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health, and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash best ever. What's the best ever book you've read? Way of the Seal by Mark Devine. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Living in another country, by far. I think that uh, it's easy to, to believe that Australia and the United States are really similar because we can understand each other, but the cultures are very different. The business culture, the real estate culture are very different. And you really learn about yourself when you're you know, far away from your, your friends, your family, and your professional network. What's one specific thing you learned from it? I really learned to get my, to get my hustle on and, and to focus on, on goals. Uh, you know, I would say that that was the biggest takeaway. But, you know, look, not everybody, in the, you know, not all of your listeners are going to have this opportunity to live in, a, in another country. But what, what people can do to get a little uncomfortable and get comfortable being uncomfortable is get a passport and travel around solo to a foreign country for a couple of months. It's life changing. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done, I'm going to say, is going to be my first uh, multi-family flip, which I did in Phoenix. That was, um, it was four fourplexes that was, that we were, um, that we bought. It was a total copper strip D-class deal. And I did that for Melbourne with a couple of, with my business partners at America Property Source. And uh, the team we worked with in Phoenix helped out with pretty much everything. It did a lot of things. Do you want the, you want some numbers? I went and, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you know I'll ask them. <laughs> right. So we bought this in 2011 for 217,500, so 13,500 a door, and I, and I'm sure that included a wholesale margin. We exited 18 months later. The, the list price was 540 or 33750 at door. And when it was all said and done, we ended up making about 120 grand on the deal. Best ever way you like to give back? Joe, I believe in helping people out. I like to, to give back by being available to share my knowledge and experience with people and especially my network. Um, I think that when I meet people and, and, and feel that I know somebody that I will be of value to them. I like to make introductions that way. Um, so I learned this from my father, who's always been helping other people out. So I'm lucky to have been brought up in that, that way. Um, I also enjoy being a part of other people's success. You know, I write blogs to share my knowledge and experience. And we'll be doing um, a little bit more you know, YouTube videos in the future. So yeah. I'm pursuing more speaking gigs to promote the book and to um, also help spread the message that 
you know, it takes a team of people to be successful in real estate and you can do it. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Seeing this first Australian two lot subdivision get sold. We've got a few leads coming in. It's popular to buy off the plan in Australia. So I would say by the end of January, this will be in the history books. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far? I'd say the biggest mistake I've made so far is not doing enough homework on people. And, and just to elaborate, I'm pretty good at sniffing out good opportunities, whether location and math works out. But um, all the hiccups and setbacks I've had along the way have, have been caused by, by humans. And I've just learned that that comes back and directly points to me not doing enough research and, and maybe jumping too early into deals. What did you not do before and what are you doing now that's different to get that homework done? Well, I mean, as, as technology you know, just keeps moving forward, I have found that people who don't Google well have a reason for not Googling well. It's, it's, it's a theory. So I'm really interested in, in references and online profiles. A lot of this came about with, um, you know, working with people overseas. A lot of, we've gotten a lot of leads. A lot of people have contacted me to, in the United States to, you know, promote or market their, their wholesale deals. And, you know, I just made the decision to really focus on the markets where I had a team who I knew and trusted. That doesn't mean that all, all of these people didn't Google well, Joe, but what it does mean is that I was putting my client's interests first instead of just looking for a quick dollar. My own experience working with, with people, I got involved in a, um, in a, you know, a new construction deal that's probably going to be its own book someday. You know, we're, we're getting on to 10 years of problems because the developer had taken, had gone to great lengths to try and screw everybody over. I mean, it was like a premeditated <laughs> deal and it, it's unbelievable. And oh, I got thrust into this situation with a whole group of other people that were in the same situation. Everybody runs successful businesses. Everybody was smart. We were all duped. You feel bad about it. It took me years to start talking about it. You know, but that really boiled down to not doing my homework and also, you know, not not following my own program. If I had built the, this was a, a new market for me, if I had built the right team ahead of time, this would have never, never happened. If you would have Googled that developer, would you have found the, the dirt that you, you know, would have made you not invest with them? No, every once in a while, every once in a while, his name comes up and you Google him. But no, he's ungoogleable. And instead of talking about how great he's doing for his clients and how successful the people, you know, uh, who have invested with him are, you can barely find a word about him. So, you know, going back to my original question of what would you do now that you weren't doing before, if you'd done that before, it still wouldn't have helped. So what would you do now differently that you weren't doing before in that situation whenever you're approached by him to do a deal? That would have made my alarm bells ring. If somebody doesn't have uh, somebody who's doing multi-million dollar development deals doesn't have any type of references online, this guy doesn't even have a LinkedIn profile. I mean, that is just a starting point. It's not a be all end all. That's my starting point. I'm going to want to do some more research and find references. You know, and 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 these were new projects at the time that this guy was doing, and and now I would say I want to probably put my energy 
in with operators that have a little bit of a track record. And lastly, this is a little bit off script, but really quickly, what's the tip that you have to any best ever listener that's looking to write a book? I would find somebody that's written a book and have a chat with them about it because it's like anything. It's just like anything in business. There's a framework and a structure that you follow. You can't sit down every day to a blank you know, screen on your computer and at least I couldn't and say, I mean, you start, you start with an outline. Uh, that's also, there's a structured way to do that. Uh, you know, and, and then you, what I did was a thousand words a day. Got it. You know, and I followed an outline and, and I had some people that knew I was doing this that I could call up and, and would, would support me because it was, it was a task. But when I set my mind to doing it, you know, it just gets done, but you can't do it all in one day. And lastly, John, what's the best ever place for the listeners to reach you? Look, I'd love to stay in touch with uh, your listeners, Joe. JohnCarneyOnline.com is my website. And if you visit me there, you can follow the links to um, hook up with me on Facebook. I have an author page, which is John Carney Online. And, um, you know, my John Carney Twitter account, which is uh, John underscore M underscore Carney. And uh, I'm more active on Twitter than Facebook, but... Uh, those are a couple of great places to connect with me. Awesome. Well, John, thank you for being on the show and sharing your international advice and talking about all the learnings that you've had from development to starting your own business. And I was drilling down on the, you know, your mentality and, and the obstacles that you came across whenever you moved from the United States to, to Australia, because even though the listeners might not move from one country to another, how you approach that move is certainly applicable to anybody who's starting their own company. You know, so the title of this episode might be how to start a real estate business in a new country, but really the outcome of our conversation was you know, helping the best ever listeners learn how to start a new company regardless of the situation if they're starting from scratch. And I think that's what's really important. So some of the things that you mentioned is you said it's a lot of hustle and then, you know, specifically it's you know, speaking to as many people as possible. In your case, it was very targeted, though. So as, the, as many people as possible within a certain area. And in your case, it was interviewing for commercial real estate firms and then being turned down by all those firms because your skill sets and knowledge base didn't transfer over, according to them. But it was through those introductions where you had the idea of, of working with investors in Australia and then you know, investing in the United States real estate with them. So really interesting story. And thanks you know, also for you know, talking about your teams, because clearly, I mean, the subtitle of your book is nine players you need to profit. And the title of it's real estate is a team sport. So team is a critical element in all of this. And that was woven throughout our conversation. So I think some of the, the team members that you mentioned, you know, they, they all had different skill sets from the accounting the old school guy that you mentioned who did the accounting and knew the local laws to Kevin and marketing, setting up email accounts, doing Google AdWords, and then him introducing you to other clients who then had that snowball effect. So really interesting stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show. And is there anything you want to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off? No, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I really enjoy listening to your podcast and um, hopefully the best ever listeners uh, get some gold nuggets out of this conversation and uh, look forward to continuing on. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Hope you have the best ever week. 
All right. Thanks, Joe. Have a great day.